Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson, and we're Hello. back. And it's been a couple weeks because Nick got the vid, the COVID. I don't think he had COVID. I no. think it was like one of the other ones. Yeah, but no, I was I, in, I was sick for sure. Yeah. So we're back, and we got a question from somebody. Email. Um, it's about swearing or cussing, and so, um. I'll read it and then Nick will will kind of kick us off here. So uh, they said, I would love to hear a podcast on how Christians should speak specifically in regards to swearing. Obviously, there's a broad array of Christian stances on the topic of swearing and what feels like technicalities. If I were to guess based on your podcast, I would say your stance is a bit looser than most I've experienced. This leads me to believe that the both of you have thoughts and philosophies. The scripture, the scriptures offer very uh, direct teachings on the topic of speech. A few that come to mind are Ephesians four twenty nine and Matthew five thirty three through thirty seven. I am curious to know what your understanding of verses like these are, and think people could benefit from your perspectives on what is permissible on this topic. <coughs> yeah. So. Um, okay. So yeah, this has kind of been a thing for a while. I remember when I was like back in seminary. So like for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that in some ways it was connected to the rise of the like new young reformed movement back then, which was kind of like, we are free in Christ. And so there's a lot of stuff. So in those days in the evangelical churches, most people were teetotalers. They believed you shouldn't drink any alcohol at all. Okay. And also that you shouldn't cuss at all and so on. And so there was kind yeah. of this movement of like, it was obviously younger people and they're like, we're free in Christ. Right, These are right. legalisms. And in relationship to alcohol, for example, the Bible does not forbid right. the use of alcohol at all. Right. Um, it just says you're stupid. You can be really stupid in using it. And there's yeah. lots of ways it can go wrong, but yeah. there's nothing against it in particular. Right. And so they were like, you know, we're going to have a freedom in Christ party and have a beer. And like, we'll like say some cuss words and demonstrate our freedom in Christ. And that's kind of been trendy for a while. And it's kind of increased to the point now where, um, younger Christian people aren't doing it because they're trying to reverse the legalisms of generations before them. Now a generation and a half has passed and they're just cussing and they're just like, it's no big deal. Who cares? Right. Um, now I, I do want to, um, I do want to give the devil his due in the sense that, or give the Christian who says, no, Nick, isn't this, isn't this like not a place we should fight our battles? So like, I understand where they're coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I have a bunch of things where I'm sympathetic to some of this reasoning. So for example, um, it can feel like falsely spiritual or too judgy to have too like mm -hmm. squeaky clean a way of speech mm -hmm. or um, you could be too prissy and controlled about what people can and can't say. Mm -hmm. And that can be particularly that because a lot of the, the Christians that I know, frankly, who use cuss words are black mm -hmm. or of, of non-white ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And they they allow themselves a lot, more, including pastors, mm -hmm. a lot more freedom in using vulgarity. Mm -hmm. And so if you say you can't say any of that stuff. Some people say, well, that will have quite a disparate impact of you humiliating or attacking minority Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is worth thinking about, right? Um, yeah. To avoid pride, some people might be like, you know, I'm going to, um, I want to show other people that I'm together with them, right? I don't have falsely cleaned up speech mm -hmm. um, to avoid emotional isolation. Um, so for like, so for example, if everybody cusses at your work and you're just the one who conspicuously doesn't, then can you really become all things to all men and like really mm -hmm. be close to them? Like, isn't it better to share the gospel, mm -hmm. even if you are using words of general vulgarity and mm -hmm. doing it right? So being all things to all people, mm -hmm. um, not allowing smaller issues 
to um, overrule larger ones. So there's a lot of people who would say, you know, Christians have really cared about the F word, but not about like systemic injustice. And so when you, whenever you don't seem to care about systemic injustice or something like that, uh, like the breakdown of the family would be a conservative version of this. And so if you're like, you're not upset about the breakdown of the family, but you won't say the brown word, you know, that's like, right. it's like, you know, it's, it's, um, Tony Campolo used to do this. Like this was back in the nineties. He would say the word, he would say the word shit in mm. like a talk. Right. And then he'd say, um, you guys are now thinking about me saying that word, but you don't care about sexism and racism and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. He's like, your, your moral system is totally askew. Yeah. And so to- like, totally. I, I, like yeah, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. Like if you have a bunch of people speak, they won't use yeah. certain words. But they seem perfectly happy with yep. certain injustices. Yeah. You can see how that that sound that seems like right. a classism. There's a clear way that this works out in the church. <laughs> I mean, in the church, it's like if you you if you cuss if if you're hourly cussing, right. oftentimes people will look at you and they'll, they'll, know, they'll judge you. judge the crap out of you or right. dismiss you. But if you if you gossip, it's all good, no problem. Like mm-hmm. gossip is totally fine. And I feel like right. so Which I was having a, a conversation with the guy last night, and we were talking about this topic, and he was just like. He brought up that point. He was like, look, he's like, what I found is that he's actually a pastor. He's like, what I found is that a lot of churches, a lot of churchgoers are totally against cussing and swearing. And then they they don't care about all other types of speech. They'll gossip and slander and trash people behind their back. And I I always found that to be. Yeah. And according to the Bible, cussing would be the least bad of those things. Right. Right. Like gossip and slander and backbiting and detraction and swearing and those are like saying even a very vulgar word like the f word like right. that's not anywhere close to lying about someone yeah or detracting from their character publicly in, in your speech right right correct yeah. yeah okay so another one i hear <laughs> and this is often connected with um discussions of racial justice too is that sometimes raw deep and powerful emotion just really needs to be expressed mm-hmm. and the people who are going to do it are going to use some foul language and you need to be accepting of that um, and maybe that's you, maybe mm-hmm. you have to really express yourself and maybe that is going to be involved. Um, so I've heard people say that, um, I've heard people say Christianity is about liberty, not about laws and like not cussing and stuff is basically like, a, like laws that are semi-arbitrary or not necessary. Also cussing is a part of a classist society. So like people of upper classes don't cuss, people of the lower classes do, or people of certain mm-hmm. occupations tend to cuss more than others. Like, I don't, I don't know if I know a police officer that doesn't cuss regularly, Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe I know one who's no longer a police officer, whereas other in other professions is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, in some ways, like not cussing, you could say like, I'm, I'm, I'm holding like a classist sort of thing. And I want to identify with low yeah. quote vulgar or cause vulgarity yeah. means the low, the common people. Yeah. Vulgar means common. Gotcha. And so, um, right. And so, and then some people say theologically, God uses foul, foul and offensive language in the Bible. Say, yeah. The apostle Paul does yeah. and so on. And so like Jesus, I mean, I, I think Jesus does. And so, so Jesus, so Jesus attacks people and calls them names. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So does John the Baptist. Um, uh, it, it, some people say that God uses pornographic language in the Bible. I, I think that's, I'm going to argue that all that is false. Okay. But um, it's certainly true that God calls people names. He uses sarcasm and he uses language that I would say, I would say is vulgar. Yeah. In like the book of Ezekiel, there's a, a place mm-hmm. where God uses language that I would say it's very difficult not to characterize it as vulgar. Right. So there are a few places. I think the question we need to ask ourselves as believers is why is it so rare and why does God do it there? Yeah. If you're not curious enough to say, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And why doesn't it happen anywhere else mm-hmm. with Jesus or the apostles or the speech of God? Right. 
then I think we can start to learn something about about vulgarity and its nature. And I, I, do you think that there's any connection? I've wondered if there's any connection between. Um, obviously, there's a connection between language, like how you talk to each other, and love. And I think that people have just assumed that when you don't cuss, you're loving people. Yeah. And may, maybe, like, obviously, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that if you cuss, you're loving people because I don't think that that's true. Yeah. But. There's there's a way in which like if you discern what times to use what words you could actually help somebody I don't know like there's a story that I heard from a friend of mine that there was somebody who was struggling I think with like sexual sin for a long time and it didn't feel like they were ever really trying to get better Mm -hmm. and their mentor like after years of this like kind of cussed them out a little bit and Mm -hmm. it kind of got their their butt in shape and things started to turn around just because there was he was like you don't care about like you're not actually trying to change you don't care and kind of cussed them out and it worked and it was like they could have spent another five years being like all kind and gentle with their speech but he had to switch it up a little bit and i thought that's probably a loving way to go about that maybe yeah i mean i i I think that but this is one of those examples where you have to be really careful that the exception doesn't prove the rule right so like if i look at my own life right um, I've probably used the F word four times in my adult life. Wow. And one of them was to express to a friend who was going to drive a bunch of us drunk that he wasn't going to do it. That that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And so in his drunk state, for me to get his attention sufficiently for him yeah. to understand that this was not going to proceed, I used the F word. And that really got his attention because I never, ever, ever, use ever use it. Right. So that's right. Yeah. And I was 19 at the time. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think that there may be some situations in which some level of vulgarity is useful, but it would, but, but then that's the exception that proves the rule rather than mm-hmm. the reverse. Mm-hmm. If that's true, it's because you would use such language so rarely mm-hmm. that it would have that kind of punctuative um, effect. Right. So right. I, so I come away from this, even though there are all those reasons that I've heard from people and there's some merit to all of them. I think the mm-hmm. spirit of them is correct. I just think the prudence of it is wrong. I think that mm-hmm. they're, that they're using the wrong answer to those questions but all of those are reasonable considerations mm-hmm. um but i'm still left really skeptical that cussing or the use of foul language is a good way to accomplish these goods yeah especially when i think it is true that scripture teaches against doing so i also think and this might have something to do with it but i think it could also be relative to the cultural outlook on cussing mm-hmm. so so if and maybe you mentioned maybe you mentioned this a little bit i don't know but if if the culture like our current culture cussing is no big deal no problem right. like I, growing up it was just how people talked and no big deal so y- using a cuss word as a christian now is like it doesn't really accomplish much other than like because people aren't alarmed by it or anything like that you just yeah. sound like them whereas maybe like 50 years ago if you drop the f-bomb it would have had a larger impact mm-hmm. on I, people. So I think sometimes yeah. it could be relative to the culture that you live in. Right. Yeah. I think most specifically it's relative to class. Yeah. Um, Charles Murray talked about this. One you still books. think that I, like I grew up. No, in no, like... I think it, I think it's changed because that's no longer true. So yeah, I, I yeah, think, okay. it, I think it's followed tattooing, right? It, yeah. Like it wasn't that long ago that if you had a tattoo, either yeah. you were in military service or police service, or you were a low class person. Yeah. And so having a tattoo demonstrated that you didn't make good decisions and so on that like that sort of changed people yeah. decided no we're all going to just get tattoos right and so that broke up now there are still people who are older like people like over 50 yeah. who a lot of them still think that right yeah and i don't think it's a great idea to get a bunch of tattoos as a young person right, right? but right. but this idea that like if you have a tattoo you're mm-hmm. among the lower classes when that goes away people who would normally be class conscious because they want to they want to move up 
wouldn't do those things. Mm -hmm. Similarly, cussing and swearing openly would have been considered like a blue collar profession kind of thing Mm -hmm. or an immigrant class thing or a like that part of the urban center kind of gig. Mm -hmm. And so people would not have done it by not cussing is how you distinguish yourself from low class behavior. When people decide that there's, that's no longer a marker of quote low class behavior, or there's no such thing as quote low class behavior, then it's okay. And that's happened. So now if you cuss or get tattooed or whatever, that's no longer a signal that you're a low class person. So people just do it. Nick is just saying this stuff because when he was 19, (laughs) he got a tramp stamp tattoo and he regrets it. Yeah, the, the a, face of a bull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or a butterfly, like all the girls yeah. get. Yeah, um, on my stomach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. So, okay, so should we, I guess, do you want to go into like some of the, some of the... Yeah, I think we need to divide up the different forms of vulgarity yes. or evil speech. Okay, yeah. so like one is, so two of them are literally connected to... Uh, to two of the Ten Commandments, right? So one is yeah. using God's name in vain. That would be like just yelling Jesus Christ or saying, oh, God, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think damn or hell would fall under that. Like really? Sacred things, well, I think less. But but like, sac- right. so we'll get to this later, but like things that are divinely sacred, to yeah. treat them like they aren't, yeah. like they're common or, quote, profane, okay. is, to, is, to, is to act as though they are just com- completely different than they are. Yeah. It is denying the being of God. Like, okay. for example, okay. that, that okay. there is such a thing as damnation. When yeah. you just say, well, damn, yeah. what you're doing is you're minimizing the concept of damnation. Yeah. By just using it in a vulgar or profane way like yeah. that. And so what you're saying right. to everybody around you is you don't have to be as worried about damnation as sometimes people talk. Yeah. Because I'll just throw this word out there and it means nothing. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I can see that. If I, I just say, that. well, God. Right. Yeah. What I'm, I, I'm I, what I'm signaling to everybody around me is you don't have to be real concerned about God. Right. Because I can just like you say his name his like name it's no like idea. it's a, a dog's name. Right. And so it doesn't matter. Right. right? So right. that that idea of using God's name or concepts about God vainly yeah. or without purpose. Like I'm if I say the word God and I don't mean God. Yeah. I'm using it vainly or not for its purpose. Right. That's the third commandment. That's right. one of the most important commands. Of the I did realize growing up, like I've realized now that growing up, like when you would hear like being damned to hell or something like that, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, it didn't have much of an impact on how, like it didn't have the impact that I think pastors or like leaders or teachers were trying to make it have. Whereas like mm-hmm. in the fifties, if you said damned to hell, people probably like, felt convicted right away or something because it was mm-hmm. so that was like so in your face i right. i just heard those words all the time so it was like right and that's the whatever. effect of vulgarity is yeah. it takes a word a, a word or set of words or concept that means right. something and it 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 pulls it down right. to be a meaningless category so it has right. no emotional effect to the hearer anymore yeah yeah so yeah. okay so so vain use of god's name would be the, the first and strongest category yeah and then the ninth commandment is against bearing false witness against your neighbor so all forms of evil speech detraction gossip slander mm-hmm. backbiting all that stuff which is the majority of what's discussed in the bible if you look at yeah. speech and sins of speech and wickedness of speech in the bible I would say 80% fits that second category. Can we take a slight detour? Because I think that this is neat. If we're going to do this podcast about swearing, but it's ultimately going to be about speech. Right. We need to talk about what uh, gossip is. Cause this seems to be like a, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like we should do a whole nother podcast, podcast on, on gossip on sins of detract on sins of speech. All right. Then let's go to the next one. Yeah. Go to okay. The so then the third would be vulgarity. Right, which is to, to like to use words that are considered like either it, like in, like bad or degrading words. Yeah. That'd be like our F word, or you might say slang words. So it's like, which I would think is a significantly lesser version of this. So yeah. like I would put the word crap 
in that category. Okay. It's okay. slang, but it doesn't carry an intense negative meaning right. of vulgarity like it like maybe yeah. it used to. Yeah. Um, I think the word pissed would fall in that category too. Oh, okay. Um, in the 1880s, that was a really negative word. Really? I just think it's lost a lot of its yeah of its weight. Okay. Um, so so vulgarity is in some ways relative culturally. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then the fourth is to um, is name calling or derogatory labeling. Um, and okay. in that case, I think the issue is it has to be prudential. Like you, like the person has to deserve it. It has to be in proportion because clearly Jesus does it right. right. I mean, Jesus calls people like whitewashed tombs and mm-hmm. broods of vipers and so on. And yeah, so right, right. Um, it's rude to do that. Right. And so if that you're going kind of to do though. it, yeah, if you're going to do it, right. you better have a good reason. Right. Right. Yeah. Otherwise it's a form of detraction. It falls under yeah. that second that second category of bad okay. speech. So these are the four, f- the four categories. Yeah, I just of... think that that's how I would split it up. Yeah. Yeah. Using God's name in vain or using categories about God in vain, right. bearing false witness against your neighbor or sins, sins of detraction. Yeah. And then vulgarity, which would include slang, but it's just as a lesser category. Yeah. And then, um, calling things bad names. Yeah. Right. Or people, yeah. bad names. And so for just, <clears throat> just for clarification, using the Lord's name in vain, like sh- you should never do that. Correct. That's that. Yeah. And I, I, that's to me been, been shocking in the church, my life, in my lifetime mm-hmm. that people won't say, yeah, they won't say shit, but they will drop the Lord's name in vain all day. Right. And, and th- those two are totally different. So like my right. kids, if I, I've, I've ca- obviously I've caught my kids saying bad words, right? Yeah. I've caught Jude, my son, like saying a cuss word. And I'm like, look, son, we don't say those words. Here's why here. Yeah. Like, but if he says Jesus Christ without mm-hmm. referring to Jesus Christ, yeah, I'm like a I will not tolerate that. Yeah, you will not talk that way in this house. Yeah. So yeah, like my my attitude yeah. to it is totally different because using the name the God's name is different than utilizing a word of general vulgarity. Yeah. In some ways, yeah. the concept of this is the same. You're pulling down the meaning of something. Yeah. To make it not mean what it means. It's just but God is just a much bigger yeah, deal than yeah. fornicative sex. The most important, or even a bigger deal <clears throat> than hell. It's like, right. it, yeah, it's you're taking the most important thing to ever exist in the history of everything right. and pretending like it's nothing. But I, I would say in our moment, part of it is relative to how lightly people take important concepts. And so I think damn and hell are really important yeah. because those do exist. There is a way you can be damned and there is a hell. And when people just throw those words around, they treat them like they don't exist and don't matter. And yeah, they do I matter. Suppose. They matter a lot. And so in, I would put damn and hell in that categories. And so I don't say damn and hell yeah. because of that reason. I want to rehabilitate the weightiness of those words in their proper meaning and value. And so yeah. I don't use them vulgarly or quote commonly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's a problem with that. Okay. I don't find a problem with any of these. I, I haven't, I ha- haven't had any disagreements this far. Um, I do think, yeah, next we should probably talk about what does, what does the Bible actually say about this, um, about speech and about cussing, about swearing, things like that. And so what does yeah. Jesus say about this? What do the apostles say about this? Is there any old Testament teachings right. on, on this? Right. Um, okay. So a couple of things. One, Jesus is not recorded as using any foul language. Is a um, brood of vipers that wouldn't be considered foul language? Not foul, but it would be name calling. Okay. Right. So the question okay. is, is that a form of detraction? Is Jesus taking away from their character or public persona in a way that's wrong? And I think the and answer is, is no. no. Yeah, right. Because they're okay. Okay. Right. So Jesus had the ability to judge okay. that it was rightly deserved. Yeah. And yeah. then utilized it. But but to say brood of vipers isn't the same thing as dropping the F-bomb. Yeah, he right. wasn't using slang right. or vulgar language. Yeah. He was using a descriptive, evocative. Yeah statement about what, would what, they, what, they, what, like. what was the significance like what would that have meant to people 
in that time of hearing Jesus call the Pharisees. I think it would have created a mental picture of like a, because like snakes, especially when they're really young, sometimes will like be in a little, like a little hole in the ground. Yeah. And there'll be a number of them and you could walk up on something like that. And that's really dangerous because you could get bit from multiple different angles. Okay. It's a brood of vipers or a group of little vipers, right? Yeah. And he's saying, that's what you are. And so that mental picture would Mm -hmm. be like, oh, basically these are people who if they bite you, they'll kill you. Yep. Okay. And they could come at you from a hundred different directions and there's a pile of them. Yeah. Like you need to get the frick out of here. Yeah. Right. That's that what he's sense. saying about them. Yeah. That makes sense. <clears throat> so I think the second is, is that the apostles um, also do not use slang or vulgarity or cuss words or whatever. I think the, the main argument that there's an exception to this is in Philippians three, eight. Okay. Um, where Paul uses a word that is sometimes um, that's usually translated rubbish which is not a word used in American English very much. It's more of a British word. What you have written in here is, are you ta- you're not talking about Philippians 3, are you? Yeah, Philippians 3, 8. The question written here is, is does Paul say shit? That's, right. That, well, that's what I've people say. Thought, people people really? say because one of the possible meanings of that word is a reference to excrement, human excrement. We're going to have to make this podcast explicit. Yeah. I mean, there's a little button that says you can, it's, I'm going to make it explicit. Yeah. So, well, so there is, so some people say, look, if Paul says shit, why can't I? Right. Yeah. And the answer is because Paul doesn't. Okay. Like there are a lot, like, for example, there might be 10 English words that refer to human excrement. Yeah. Poop. Right. Feces, excrement, right. et cetera. Right. Right. And so, so if you, you want to, you, if you want to say shit, you'll just say Paul said it because it, it's one of the 10 right. words that just, could just, just because this word, um, scubalon in some contexts in Greek refers to human excrement. Okay. Doesn't mean it is the vulgar word yeah. used in Koine Greek. Right. That would be like our word shit. It could just be poop. Right. Yeah. Or rubbish, right? Because the word, the word is also used for like kitchen scraps and garbage and animal manure and so on. And so, so anything that you like wouldn't hug, you know what I mean? Like anything that like is defiling or gross could be, could be described by this word. And so, and there's no evidence, there's no evidence that this word is specifically, um, like vulgar like a cuss word of ours right the only other time it's used in anything like the bible is in the apocrypha in the book of sirach it's used once and it particularly talks about the filth of man's talk okay like he basically he's basically saying don't talk filthy like yeah so this word is literally used for how men and women should not speak if they're spiritual people right so if you if you translate that to shit you're it, you, it, it would be like don't speak in shitty ways yeah <laughs> then which literally outlaws uh, yeah. you using those words yeah right well, so it, it's it's just a bad argument it's based on what's what's just called um the unwarranted narrowing of a semantical range you're taking a word that can mean a, mo- a number of different things yeah you're taking one of the meanings that it can mean and then you're taking a different meaning of that word so you're taking just the word excrement yeah but you're not saying it means excrement. You're saying it means a vulgar version of excrement, yeah. which it doesn't. Yeah. And so there's never been an argument made for this by a Greek scholar. There's just a bunch of punks who have read their like NIV Bible. They see the word rubbish. They right. know that that means like garbage. Yeah. And they're like, see, basically he's using a vulgar yeah. word. And mm-hmm. that's just not true in the way that they're saying. And yeah. so a lot of people just kind of like say that and it's not true. Where, where what verse is this? And this is Philippians, um, Philippians three eight, and and that's and that's really the only possible example of the apostle Paul or any of the apostles using a slang word that could in any way be argued is vulgar. There are no okay. vulgar words in the New Testament documents. You will not find them. And so now there are really negative statements about other people. So we get back to that same question about Jesus. Can, or can you attack another person by saying that they're a bad person or they're doing something awful? And the answer is yes. You can be honest. 
and and it is correct or right in so much as it's true. I would actually prudent. make an argument that that maybe I'm wrong about this, but like it seems to me like there's more instances in the in the Bible where somebody call, where Jesus or the apostles are calling people bad people than there ever is in anybody calling anybody a good person. Like when Jesus is is confronted and he says uh, the by the rich young ruler and he says. Was he a good teacher? Yeah. And Jesus says, no one is good, but why do you call me good? good?" And like, but I, but I hear Christians all the time. Like, that's a great, that person's so good. This is like, and that bothers me because I'm like, why would you ever call? This is why I got frustrated with when people were calling our son when he was born. They said that he was perfect. Mm -hmm. I hated that. I was like, we need to stop. You can't call him perfect. Mm -hmm. Jesus is perfect. He's a sinner. Like you got to stop. And yeah, I think it's similar. Like I, I don't. I think the question should not be like, can we call people bad people? It should be, can you call people good people? Because that seems yes. to be like a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. However, in the Old Testament, there are a lot of people referred to as righteous and spoken of as like honorable and good people. The assumption is, is that you're bearing in mind mm -hmm. that literally speaking, everybody deserves judgment and God has mercy on all people. But the Bible says the righteous will live by faith. You can yeah. be a quote righteous person when living by faith. Yeah. So you're still living under the mercy of God, but you can live by faith. And in so doing, God counts you righteous and you are growing in and being righteous. And right. God, looks at that as you being a righteous person. In that sense, you are, quote, good. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, that's not what that guy meant. No, I know. He was... And so Jesus was pulling out this fallacy right. of um, where they were... Uh, I forget the word. They wouldn't use the same word. The fallacy of saying the using the same word with two different definitions. Equivocation. Equivocation, right. Yeah. So this guy was equivocating on the word and Jesus was calling it out because that conceptual gap was going to keep him from the possibility of salvation. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah, mean that yeah. Jesus didn't believe and you that you could be good. He but, just believed you couldn't be good like God was good and that everybody had to live under mercy and therefore by faith. Right. And and so people <laughs> through that, people have to recognize first that they're not good. I I, I feel like. Yes. And he and this, the rich young ruler had not really done that. No. He still was trying to earn his that's way. That's why he was telling Jesus. That's why Jesus had to do that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Jesus would never have accepted. Right. That anybody could be, quote, good in any way. But it doesn't seem like he's going around calling people good people, ever. He calls people fools. and Yes. I think that's generally true. And I think, yeah, I think we should get to, like, that here as well. I okay. just don't, I don't get too far off. So, um, okay, the, the second one is, I think some people will say, well, God uses pornographic language or yeah, sarcasm is, when he's, like, going to destroy people. Are this they is particularly true in prophets. Like a Song of Songs or whatever? Is that... So some people say Song of Songs is highly sexual and therefore pornographic. Also, there's a passage in Ezekiel 23, verse 20, where where God is talking about the adulterous relationship spiritually the people of Israel are having with other nations. And he said, he and he calls them, like, a basically a whore, like a woman who's very lustful. Yeah. And it says there, there she lusted after her lovers whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose emissions was like that of horses. Yeah. So like, it's kind of disgusting, right? So you're, right. Pic you're picturing this woman who is Israel having sex with men whose genitals are as big as donkeys and their emissions are as like voluminous as horses. Right. Yeah. Which is a lot. And so <laughs> that like some people will say like, that's just pornographic. And, um, and, but God is actually trying to create a depiction of the most sinful, disgusting thing, yeah. pornographic, right? So, so it's like, he's taking you into the scene of a, like violent, extremely derogatory porn pornographic film as like the height of lewd lust and disgustingness. And he's saying, 
this is what you are. This yeah. is what you're doing. And so I do think that that is the, that's the only, maybe the only verse in the Bible where God says something that I think could be characterized as pornographic. And I think it's because Ezekiel is the most broken moment in the entire history of the Jewish people where they yeah. literally have lost their moral compass in every meaningful way. Yeah. And God has to show them yeah. the absoluteness of their perversion yeah. in order for them to have any chance of recognizing yeah. their brokenness. And, and so yeah. I would say if I was dealing with somebody at this extremeness of lostness, like the people in Ezekiel, yeah, then it's possible at some point I might utter a sentence like this. Now, my question about the, the pornographic argument, what does mm-hmm. that word mean? Like, what, so what pornograph, is... I means evil, evil sight or evil, like evil depiction. Okay. So it's not, it's not like a, it, I, I always thought porn, pornography like would have been connected to some sort of like, like de- degradation or was degree. Is that the word degradation? Degradation. Degradation. Yeah. Of, of, of sex. So like, that's essentially yes. what porn is, but like. In the Song of Songs, that's not what's happening. That's like a pure right. version of sex, and so, or or at least a pure version of intimacy. Yeah, no, I think Song of Songs there are references to sex. So it's not it's not porn, but it's a, it's a pure it's not pornographic. Like pornographic right. is right. I would say that that's again it's a, it's a um, equivocation fallacy. Yeah, in Song yeah. of Songs yeah. as a wedding song, it is a reference to sex. It is yeah. intimate, and we are supposed to realize that those words evoke sexual images. Yeah. But that is supposed to be within within um, our marriage. I would I wouldn't even call it erotic poetry because it's not that explicit. Yeah, it's intentionally veiled, but it's also like explicit enough that it, you can sense a little bit of eroticism in it. And I think that that's presented as okay. Okay, I think I'm okay. I, here's what I think because I've tried to read through Song of Song Solomon or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and. I just find it to be weird. I don't find it to be erotic in any way, shape, or form. And so I'm wondering. Do you feel like you're picking up on the sexual metaphors? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think there's a. I think my issue, and it's the same issue that I had like growing up with like classical music, or as like I always hated classical music, and now I like it because mm-hmm. I think my mind is changing from like crazy postmodern garb like just like i you you know how you like before you're a christian i don't know if you know you like things that aren't good and then afterwards you start to like things that mm-hmm. are good yeah i think and, there should be a wholesomeness development in people yeah, who come to that's faith, what i really. mean yeah. so i'm like i'm i'm probably still not there yet with song of songs but mm-hmm. it it just seems weird to me it seems like 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 a medieval like or not even medieval just like i guess it's earlier than that time but just mm-hmm. like a it's too pure yeah too is, pure yeah which oh. is good but I, it's too pure like i'm just yeah. saying like right. i grew up watching a bunch of porn so right. it's like uh, it's too yeah, pure but it's i can't like it's, it's incredibly erotic but i think i think part of it is there is this profound sense in which they are truly delighting in each other like the woman is yes, not objectified yes. like her yeah. body and form is glorified yes but in doing so she doesn't cease to be herself yes as the individual woman that he loves and vice versa yeah so there is no objectification and right. also the right. sexual the sexual imagery yeah. is really bound to um, personal union between the two of them and their love and their fertility and having children. Yeah. And so in one of the like really erotic sexual scenes, um, which is really veiled, but you can kind of tell it's there. Yeah. Um, it's connected to her mm. saying our bed is verdant. 
Yeah. Meaning like it produces greenness or growth or life. Yeah. So like our bed is going to produce children yeah. Yeah. because you're going to erotically come to me and give me your love. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And so, um, right. and so the reference to ejaculation in that passage is not just, I'm going to get you off. It's right. like, you're going to actually ejaculate inside of me as your woman yeah. lover. And we're going to yeah. conceive a child and have yeah. children it's in the family production for the glory of God for, you know, yeah. I guess and what love is supposed to, to be between them. For them. It's for yeah. them right. and right. for the glory of God. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, yeah. um, so I think that there is only one verse in the whole Bible yeah. that I think you could say is pornographic in nature. I think that's intentional of God. And I think it's literally the last possible straw and trying to shake somebody awake yeah. in redemption. I also think God's star sarcastic use of humor over people who are being judged and destroyed yeah. is also what's, only what's used in the exilic prophets where the people of God are going into exile and they're going to be killed. And this is like their very, 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 very last chance. Okay. So if you're going to use language, that's pornographic to get somebody's attention from being lost in lewdness, or if you're going to sarcastically ridicule them in their impending personal destruction, as far as I can tell in scripture, those are literally the last two things you can do in a, re a redemptive attempt to turn somebody. From do you sin. see Stephen as doing this? St uh, St. Stephen? St. Stephen. Yeah. The no. first martyr. You don't see that? Cause he kind of goes through like, like how he's like, before he's going to be killed, mm -hmm. he's, he gives a speech and he's like, this is so predictable. Here's the history of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, again, these are people who are about to commit about murder. To be, die. Yeah. He's about They're to about die. to commit yeah. murder. And so he's trying yeah. to like help them not commit yeah. murder. So this is, yeah. so I would say if you're going to use pornographic language or like that kind of derogatory sarcasm over somebody who's being destroyed, yeah, that yeah. this is literally the very last thing. Everything else has been tried. Yeah. It's your last ditch effort and you are actually trying to redeem them. Mm -hmm. Right. Then maybe you could be so bold as to talk like God and sit, talk this way. But this is the only place God talks this way. Yeah. God does not use sarcasm and he does not use pornographic language in any other context. And I think it's important to say uh, what I've noticed in a lot of younger people, millennials and Gen Z's is that sarcasm is basically their language. <laughs> like that's their, they're constantly being sarcastic. And I think yeah. that, that, that there's a problem. I think that, that that's a sign of like, like you can't have any meaningful conversations with these people because everything's a sarcastic joke. Right. And I think that that, ha that says a lot about their lack of character and, yeah. and lack of ability, a lack of ability to, to have any sort of depth in their relationships. Yeah. Everything's just got to be the surface level sarcastic. Yeah. And I, and there, there is more general sarcasm in the scriptures in the mouth of the prophets or in God. But again, it's very sparing. Mm hmm it's only in certain contexts where he's tried other things. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's basically like if you have become so vulgar yourself that you can only listen to and respond to vulgar things, then God may condescend into your vulgarity <clears throat> to save you, to try to save you. Yeah. But that's it. Um, but generally now, speaking, that doesn't God doesn't go, play down. Right. And that doesn't go so far as to like, God's not going to do that with everything. He he doesn't seem to do that with like sexual sin. Like he's not going to, right? Like the, there's a he's well, not I mean, going to he, go. He argues that he puts up with adultery spiritually. Yeah, and so he he like is in the presence of our sexual sin and dealing with it, and it affects him. Yes, it affects him, but, but he doesn't engage in sexual sin. Yes, he doesn't engage in that or right. engage in other other sin. He doesn't engage, <clears throat> engage in sins just to get people out of sin. No, I would argue that 
yeah, I would argue God never sins, right. but he would do, he will do things. I mean, the, the reason why these things are wrong is ultimately because we use them in the wrong way. Yeah. All, all bad speech is, is speech used in the wrong way. When God says what he says yeah. in Ezekiel 23, he's doing a righteous thing. I think it's important to, to, to also say that like to this whole conversation on language and speech, it can seem like, oh, if, if God's kind of like, like what Nick just said, if God chooses to like, if somebody's that bad and God chooses to go down to that level just to save them, like I can do that too. <laughs> and it seems like, right. Which like, is true. You can, you but can, the likelihood but you you're making be, excuses for yourself is extremely high. Yeah. You have to be like super, super, super careful about that because right. then you're just going to, most people just start doing it all the time and justifying it when G, right. God does it like, like once or twice in the Bible, like in the right Testament. in the entire in entire the entire history of salvation. Yeah, God does what I read there one time. Yeah, yeah. You might argue there's a couple of verses like that in the book of Ezekiel, but that is after him working with the people of God five hundred years. Yeah, to try to straighten them out, and they have been horrifically terrible the entire time. So until you're mm-hmm. trying to work something out with somebody for at least five hundred years. You can't. You I can't. mean, what? I mean, yeah. You, I mean, like in some ways, you need to think about that yeah. proportion. Yeah. You know. But yeah. Anyway, so I think the next thing to somebody say would about say like a day is like a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So some people might say about the Bible too is that it's important to recognize that um, Jesus and the apostles teach that our speech is super important. Like yeah, and that like how you use your tongue and what you say, it like defines you. Like James, James is probably right. the main example of this. Right. James three five to twelve would be a good example of this. Um, so he says, likewise, the tongue is no small part of the body, is, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It says NIV. What does NIVO mean? That's the, uh, in the notes, that's the NIV 84 version. Oh, nice. Yeah. And this is consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among mm-hmm. the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, mm-hmm. and is itself set on fire by hell. And mm-hmm. then he talks about like, you know, we've, we've tamed all kinds of animals and creatures but we can't tame the tongue. It's full of deadly poison. So what James is saying is basically the way you should regard your own tongue is that it is the most likely place in your body for evil to pour forth. Okay. And therefore your attitude about your tongue should be a radical attitude of pursuing holiness and beauty and goodness, because not only are you very, very prone to sin with your mouth, but your mouth is almost like the mouth of a horse Mm -hmm. that you're riding. Mm -hmm. If you can control the, the, the mouth of that horse, you mm-hmm. can control its whole body. Mm-hmm. And what James is saying is if you can control what you do with your mouth tr- and truly be holy with, with your speech, it will control your heart because your speech comes from your heart. So it'll move you towards the internal nature of your soul. Yeah. And also your, your, um, your mouth is basically like how you cast spells into the world, how you exert your power out into yeah. the world. Yeah. And so you're also going to be overseeing your actions and your yeah. ethics. Yeah. So by controlling your mouth, you move internally yeah. towards holiness and externally yeah. towards godliness. Now that's going to sound, I'm just going to say that for, to a lot of people who are my age, that's going to sound like legalism to them. They're going to be like, oh, you, you want me to just control my mouth even. So one of the arguments I would hear in like sexual sin groups mm-hmm. When, when, when people will be like, okay, Hey, you're watching porn on your phone. Mm-hmm. You got to lock your phone up or you got to get a different phone or get rid of your phone. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, in their argument, which is so stupid, but they're like, well, I'm not going to do that because I want it to be a heart change. I don't want it just to just be a behavioral change. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and so I feel like these younger generations, and I think the church has done this to us, has disconnected behavioral changes from heart change like that, that like. 
the in the same ways that like certain rituals like communion are supposed to do something to our heart or going to church right. on every Sunday are supposed to do something to our heart and change us and to make us more like Christ is the same way behavioral changes are supposed to do the same thing. This is why the new Testament exists so that we know what we shouldn't do so that we can be conformed to Christ. And so when you say something like that, I think young people will be like, well, I'm not changing the way I talk. If Jesus wants me to change then he'll change my heart. That's at least what I've heard, which is ridiculous because he's not going to, I think it's yeah, ridiculous. The Bible be- doesn't say Jesus will change your heart. You're supposed to combat the flesh yeah. and put it to death. Right. And that's and your, he gives that's you all the methods job. to do it, right. which he's is with you to control your you. tongue and it mm-hmm. will, it'll tame your heart. But the person whose job it's made in the new Testament is yours. Yeah. And then also in J- the book of James, James does, doesn't allow for that dichotomy. I mean, he says like, if you want to tell me you believe something, let me see what you do. I mean, he, he's like, there's no difference yeah. between your heart and your actions. Right. Your actions yeah. literally are the expression of your heart and will. And so if you are doing something and you're yeah. like, well, my heart's different. That's just not true. Yeah. You're just a liar. Right. And this is what Jordan Peterson says. It's funny because James and Jordan Peterson say the same thing yeah. about Christianity. Because J- Jordan Peterson, when somebody asked him if he believes in God, he was like, I hate it when people ask me that, which is a cowardly response. But he he basically went off on like, you say you believe it, but a lot of Christians essentially just act totally different. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what people believe by how they act. And yeah. I mean, the Bible teaches that all the way through. Yeah. The fact that the Bible focuses on our interiority, like yeah. what's going on in our heart. Yeah. Is not a substitute for knowing who we are by how we act. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a treatment. It's to say, okay, look, if you really want to change, you need to go to the core of who you are yeah. and find the evil there and by God's grace, put it to death. And so you think and that believe the truth. There's this, there's, there's this talk, like in evangelical theology, generally speaking, your sanctification is going to be done. What they say, like it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And then usually in like high church, like Catholic or, or, even Anglican or, or whatever, oftentimes the belief is that your your sanctification is coming from the outside in. Yeah. And so I, I tend to believe that there's like a mixture of, of that. Like, I think that the whole inside out thing alone can be deceiving. It's too psychological. Yeah. And, Correct. and the it's outs- not, you're too embodied for that to work. Yeah. You entirely, need some right? rituals and things like that. And right. So, because you're, yeah, your psychology is interacting with your physical body. Yeah. And your physical body incredibly impacts your psychology. Yeah. And is actually the seat of your psychology. And you need the wisdom yeah. of those around you to be able to tell you right. how to act. And so yeah, James and so the is, ritual of looking at pornography with your body. Yes. Like instantiates affects your, your lust yes. in your right. quote inner self. Yeah. And those two are profoundly related. So it, one, one of the ways to change your inner self is to stop looking at the pornography with your body. Right. And right. also engaging in sexual acts yeah. that more bond you to that yeah. fake intimacy. Right. So, and same with same yeah. with your speech. The same thing should be said about your speech, except yeah. it's a bit different because because you're not watching or, or but your tongue is making the action. It's a, you're embodied in your speech. Your tongue is actually doing it. Right. right. I mean, yeah. the same thing can be said. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Okay. So yeah, there's two going. verses in the New Testament that explicitly say to not talk bad. Okay, so Ephesians 4.29, I think the person who wrote in the question, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, Yeah, but only what's helpful for, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit or grace those who listen. So um, that word can be translated rotten or just g- generically bad. Unwholesome. Unwholesome, yeah. right? So, un- so basically what the apostle says is there is a kind of speech that isn't edible. Like if it was an apple, yeah. you wouldn't want to eat it. 
and you should not let that talk come out of your mouth. Yeah. Like I don't understand yeah. how to be any more explicit than that. I don't see how yeah. that's possible. Could be any clearer. Yeah. Than to say, okay, language that isn't considered fit for consumption. Yeah. Right. In in the in the from the noblest possible mindset. Yeah. That does not exit your mouth. Full stop. Right. I think I think one good example, especially for I I would say for young men, is. Talk, like especially young single men mm-hmm. talking about the attractiveness of a single woman or even sometimes women who are married in in ways it's not I, saying the attractiveness like talking about how hot somebody is or like how se- like just being very objective objectifying, obje- objectifying which is vulgar yeah and that's degrading Correct. and because that, it's taking her name in vain yes like she's a whole complete human yeah. person right that's a lot more than whether or not yeah. her boobs look good right and right. you're right. what you're doing right. is you're reducing right. her to yeah. that objectified category yeah. which is to take her name in vain right or to take her humanity in vain and it yeah. just be just don't say that like it's yeah the, you just don't, does yeah. not come out of your mouth you yeah. don't say it right yeah. yeah most of good speech is is what you don't say in fact yeah. there's a number of verses that say whenever you just talk a lot you're going to sin with your mouth yeah like the one of the best things you can do for speech holiness is to just talk less yeah and listen more yeah so and then uh, in, in case people aren't clear about what wholesome unwholesome talk is he says but only what is helpful for building others up according yeah. to their needs yeah. that it may benefit those who listen so there so let's say there's five people in the room and i'm gonna say something for you right yeah. so i'm gonna say okay what are andy's needs what does he really need what really will build him up and are the other four people going to benefit from hearing me say it to Andy. Right. If those people are right. going to be ennobled by what I say, and you're going to be helped by what I say, then it's worth saying. And I should say it. I am. In fact, I'm obligated to say it because I can do a good with my mouth and I should right. do it. Right. Right. If right. not, right. Right. I don't let it come out of yeah. my mouth. Full stop. Yeah. Okay. Right? So this, so this d- 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 directly ties to, and I'm just going to say millennials in the workplace, continuously refusing to not say the right thing or do the right thing. Like this is a, this is a pattern in millennials is that when push comes to shove and there's an injustice being had, they won't stick up for for what's right. Oftentimes. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about how like, or they just blow up. It's not proportional. It's not like, Hey, I'm not going to quit or anything, but this isn't good. We should change. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause not saying the truth is a form of lying. Yeah. No, I don't think that's the main point of this verse, but I think, I think it is an implication that if you're thinking what will build up others, one of the things that you should ask is what will build up my business or my boss, like hierarchical levels above me. I still have the responsibility to speak helpfully and my coworkers and everybody around. Right. And, and, and another thing to add to that is that when you're, when you're like in the room of five people, and you're thinking about you could have something beneficial to say, and that's encouraging to say to one of the people, mm-hmm. but that's probably maybe is humiliating to them if you say it in front of all of the people. Right. So you, you should wait, wait and right. say it to them in private. Right. Yeah. So, but, but I think I think Ephesians four twenty nine is just like one of those verses people just wish wasn't there because it just covers everything. And I th- I, th- I think some people be like Nick, this just makes me feel terrible because you're like, who can really live up to that? And the answer is exactly that's the po- that's what how you're supposed to think as a yeah. Christian is that. Every day you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that I'm not going to live with the kind of holiness today that would please you and that I was created for and that Christ died for. And I want to get a little closer. I want to do a little less that's bad. I want to do a little bit more that's beautiful. And I know that this day is going to be a sucky offering to you, but I want to make it better than it was yesterday. Right? Like that kind of sense of gracious inferiority that like, you know, God loves you. You know, he's died for your sins. He, you know, that he's proud of everything good that you do. Any, any effort you expend, any sin you put to death, he is with you. He is for you. Right. right? And yet 
you you do kind of suck like it's right. not like you're doing him a favor or doing some kind of fantastic yeah. job yeah, yeah, yeah. you should be ashamed of yourself basically every day and how you've spoken yeah and you should repent every night right and be like god the way i spoke today these things i said i should never have said what's the, the like va- that's the right attitude the and va- it's good for you the valley of visions <clears throat> the prayer book for the the puritan prayer book have you heard of that mm-hmm. yeah I read it and like every night and every single prayer in it is like, it starts with that. Like, like, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't live up to anything. Yeah. It's like very, yeah. And at first, at first, especially if you're a person who struggles with self-hatred or self-reproach that you'll, you'll feel yeah. like, Oh, this is just what I need to get away from. Right. But over time, as you let God redeem your yeah. view of yourself that, like you are loved, you are incredibly yeah. valuable. Your life matters so much. God is so proud of what is happening inside of you that when you're like, okay, but I suck. Yeah. It's so freeing because then the self-righteousness goes away. Right. And you're like, I don't have to, I don't right. have to keep up this falsehood that like, right. I'm this great person. Right. I'm not a great person. But everything that happens good is a work of grace yeah. in the in part of God's love in my life. Yeah. And and so it just like like all that pretension is gone and humility yeah. begins to grow. What I've and noticed the freedom of humility right. is incredible. What I've noticed in the in the counter self-hatred movement is oftentimes what it means to be to counter the self-hatred is to become narcissistic, not to yeah. become balanced in your understanding of who you are. And that that. I think it's made its way into the church. We could probably do a podcast on that sometime. Yes, that could be, that could definitely be done. So long as we were serious enough about countering the self-hatred. Okay. So then the the second generic verse is Colossians 3, 8, which is now you must rid yourselves of all such as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That word um, basically is like a generic catch all for speech that isn't worth it. It does seem like all of these things kind of, like are all connected to speech in a way mm-hmm. like anger and rage and malice are will cause you to say yeah stupid crap. slanderous and mm-hmm. filthy things yeah yeah so that word um is 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 like the word logia for word and then it has a word on the front of it that just means like poor taste obscene okay. dirty um so it was it would include like um like sexually obscene language it would okay. also include just like dirty unhelpful servile just like bad talk okay talk that isn't respectable or gracious um that probably flows from anger rage malice and those things but but all language that shouldn't be on your lips he's like you need to get rid of you must rid yourself of this filthy language Mm -hmm. from your lips that is similar to ephesians 4 29 Mm -hmm. don't let it come out of your mouth you need to get it off your lips it shouldn't be coming out of your face Mm -hmm. right and so those two verses ephesians 4 29 and colossians 3 8 very explicitly, very clearly teach that Christians shouldn't be using filthy, obscene, ungracious language. And what we should be pursuing is gracious language, gracious yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I think those two verses are catch-alls that maybe Christians struggling with this ought to memorize. Yeah. And I just, I would not spend your energy trying to get around these. I mean, these are, the, the apostle has these in there mm-hmm. because Christians are supposed to speak graciously. Mm-hmm. Stop using the demonic logic of why can't I? Okay. That's not Christian. Christian is I was made for a purpose. I have a telos. I have a there's a goal for which I was made. Mm-hmm. I'm made to be a gracious creature who does the works of God. Mm-hmm. What are those works and how can I do them? Mm-hmm. And if you are not thinking that way, you are not thinking like a Christian. And I don't know what it means to you to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, to have a new heart, to be putting the flesh to death, to be walking in the way of the cross and his yep. resurrection. Like you're you're not 
you're not doing that. So like you have to have that positive vision in place mm-hmm. so that you go, okay, I want to speak like Jesus, not just, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I like, what's the worst I can speak and still be okay. Right. Right. You know, okay. or how can I just look like I'm yeah. like Jesus and not actually. Okay. Now some people will be like, okay, Nick, why this language of unwholesomeness or rottenness and filthiness. And part of this is people morally misunderstand the nature of human society and why some things are bad and evil in the old Testament shame or behaviors at which you should be ashamed of yourself were connected to a concept called defilement or like something losing its honor or its purity because what God understood is, is that human beings are like Cain. We are like brutal, antisocial, uncivilized people who will descend things into chaos for our own retribution and hatred. And so Cain's son Lamech has multiple wives. He wants to kill somebody for injuring him. Like we are brutal, uncivilized people. And so the way we're held together in civilization is through certain sets of values that we dignify with a certain kind of purity. They have a place that we absolutely keep in place. Mm -hmm. And some of those are taboos like the anti-incest taboo in Leviticus 18. You can't have sex with your mom. Like that is a, and to do so is quote to defile her. Which this, this argument kind of breaks down the argument that I've heard recently that like that the before civilization, people were more barbaric, but now people are less barbaric because of civilization. Whereas I think that's that's true, but it doesn't mean that if we don't have like right now, if you took away all civilization, all the rules, I think people would become barbaric. Right. Like Absolutely. it doesn't mean yes. that we've just our nature has changed. It would take a little bit of time, but yeah. not long. Yes. Right. Yeah. There is a reciprocating relationship or a relationship that, the goes back that and we're forth. actually barbaric right now in our civilized society. Like oh, yes. In- we're pretty barbaric right now. Yeah. yeah. So basically, there are a set of rules that all human yeah. societies have that say in order for us to be in a society together, for me to trust you, I have to know you're going to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Right. If you won't do X, Y, Z, then I can't trust you. Yeah. Right. And that's where the concept of shame comes from. If I make you feel bad about yourself it's because you're not living up to the basic criteria that i need you to do for us for me to trust you right and that's a healthy that's a good good use of shame correct yeah yeah and and it it is a basic one it's one that humans can't not do right everybody has to do this because they're otherwise we can't have relationships i have to be able to trust you right right. now that and so the concept used in most human cultures is the concept of defilement purity honor goodness like we live up to these things and so if you look at vulgar words most of them are connected to things that we treat with special honor like like poop yeah like your your defecation we go out of our way to not just poop around the house like we don't want that everywhere it has to be like ordered in a certain way sometimes vulgarity will will surround certain forms of disease but oftentimes vulgarity is Mm. connected to sex but think about that for a second sex is something that we treat very specially yeah. Even yep. when we're degrading it, yeah. we still treat it like it's this incredibly special thing. You'll notice that vulgarity is usually connected to things that human beings normally accord special honor and it dishonors them. Yeah. So the F word is the best example of this, right? That yeah. word is basically designed to make sex disgusting, to make the concept right. of sex unhonored. Like I F'd her is basically like yeah. the most tawdry, disgusting, undignified, unvirtuous, objectifying like unhonorable, immoral way of referring to fornication. Right. It brings the, it brings the value of what a woman is in sex right. and what sex is right. down to the basest possible level. Right. And it eradicates its purity, its separateness, right. its specialness. It vulgarizes it. It makes it right. common. Like 
dirt or a carpet or something you can treat however you want. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, this is probably why I'm, I just finished reading Second Peter and Second Peter two, uh, two twenty two is just he's talking about unrighteousness and judgment on false teachers, but he he says like. It happens to them according to the, the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit. It seems like that, like, so when uh, Piper on Ask Pastor John recently did a, a podcast on sexual sin, there was a guy who said he wanted to excommunicate himself from his own church because he couldn't stop with sexual sin. And Piper went off on, and he and he kept referring to, like, he was like, dude, you're a dog going back to your own vomit. Like, he kept saying that, and... Mm-hmm. It was a very clear, I thought it was great. Now it's probably controversial because people don't like mean words, but the, I thought it was a great way to like that. He, the way that he was explaining how pornography and masturbation and lust is defiling and, and degrading mm-hmm. sex. And right. basically it's like a, do- a dog. You're like a dog that keeps coming back to your own vomit and it's disgusting and it's gross. Right. And there's nothing good about it. I, th- I was like, wow. I- right. And so some, some vulgar words will, will recast a human person as a non-human person. So like to, to call somebody a dog, yeah. which is a pretty common way of being slang and vulgar in the ancient yeah. world, yeah. Um, is is a form of taking something that's noble, honorable, good, special, a human yeah. being, right. and tearing them down to a place of vulgarity. That idea of tearing down that which we should have on a pedestal, which creates the nature of our society, our culture, and our ability to trust one another is what's wrong with all this bad talk. But, it's but not... Peter's doing that. I don't understand. Like, isn't isn't that what Peter's... He's re- referencing a proverb where that's happen, happening, right? Yeah, and I think he's doing it prudentially. Like, I think he's okay. saying that is what's happening. Yeah. You are behaving in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which As I think a isn't, dog returns to its vomit. Rather it's than saying, rate. you're a yeah, dog. Yeah, he's not saying you're a dog, yeah. right? And, yeah, and, and I, I don't mean, think and Piper I'm not saying said that. That could never yeah. be okay to yeah. say. I'm just saying that it's not done lightly. Yeah. I don't think Piper called this guy a dog. I think he re- referenced this verse as like a yeah a dog coming back to his vomit. Yeah, yeah. And so what what Piper is doing in that case is saying that this person is already behaving in a vulgar way. Yeah. And so now he's condescending to describe it as it is. Yeah. That's different than something that's like up high that you're calling down. So we should never. This is why you probably should never use the word like like uh, <laughs> bitch. Yeah. Referring to oh no, I would absolutely say guys who call women bitches. I think it's are, I think that's a really horrific vulgarity. So there's no no yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dave Chappelle should not be referring to women that way. Even in stand up comedy. Yeah. I think that it is derogatory. I think it's objectifying of women and I don't right. think it's good. But I mean th- this so this gets back to like some of the po- some of the point of stand up comedy. That's why stand up comedy is such a fraught art yeah. form because yeah. on one level you got to do just yeah. simply use it to degrade all good human categories. Yeah. So what, what stand-up comedy at its best is it would look for places where honorability is a pretension. Like it's not right. And then you would use discursive vulgarity yeah. to tear down the pretension yeah. to honorability yeah. that something had. So if there was like a classism that was like totally racist or whatever, yeah. and like people like had this language they'd built around it to honor the thing and make it so people couldn't tear it down or talk bad about it. Yeah. And you tear that all down in your stand-up comedy showing that it's ridiculous. Yeah. That would be, um, I think, honorable, like good. Yeah vulgarity in a sense right. you're because you're tearing down something that shouldn't be that high yeah but if you like tear down the idea of god right or that women are treated well right or that sex matters right and right. you tear that down 
you're not really being funny. And this is why it's hard to watch a lot, like especially Dave Chappelle, because I'd say half of his jokes are very they they are good. Yeah, well, maybe like yeah, 30% so like, of so them. like some of his tra- yeah. anti anti LGBTQ yeah. advocacy stuff, yeah. where he was he was pulling down pretentious trans yeah. people who think they can just say anything, get away with anything. See, I think he's right about that. Yeah, well, I think there's yeah. a false pretension about that. So when he tears that down, I'm like, yeah, go yeah. Dave. Yeah, but then when yeah. he talks about like abortion and unborn children yeah, and says, I right. think I should be able to kill them. On one level, he's being ironic in in the in the in the piece I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. He's actually being ironic yeah. when he does that. But when like Chris Rock did it recently in his new special, yeah, I don't think he was being deeply ironic about it. And I think that was vulgar in a negative sense. Yeah, Chris Rock's just like an angry, angry guy. I I, I, I think know. he's making cheaper, less clever jokes. Yeah, with Chappelle, he's working on multiple yeah. levels, and so right. on one level it might be truly vulgar, but on another level he might really be tearing down a true pretension. When he did the, the there was a transgender one that he talked about, uh, Caitlin Bruce Jenner getting the Woman of the Year award, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "That's like giving Eminem the Black Person of the Year award." It's yeah. like, it's. I thought that was one of the the funnier ones. I felt like that was a, that that's an example of tearing something down in in a, I don't know, a clever funny. Yeah, way. and so I think a good example of this is like the Babylon Bee. Like this is a Christian. Yeah, they do. Business, they do this, and basically yeah. they're being sarcastic at everything. Yeah, and so they have to keep making these value judgments about like is this thing i'm tearing down something that really ought to be humiliated yeah, yeah. because its dignity is pretentious and they need i i wish that they would i think after they got banned on social media and we can move back to the podcast after this, but i think after they got banned on social media they got pissed and so a lot of their stuff is anti anti-liberal now and that's fine like it's funny but i i wish that they would do some more like when they used to make fun of trump it was really funny. I haven't seen as much of that anymore. I, I wish that they were that they would that they would keep it even and making fun of both sides of the, of the aisle. But I think they got angry after they got kicked off of social media yeah. and they went at the liberal so, side. So I don't like I don't begrudge. So I th- I think this is on topic actually. Okay. Because um. So for example, second Babylon B is a good example of of like should we should we use sarcasm? Yeah. So, yeah. Right, right. So and relative to humor, because I think yeah, a lot of people yeah. are like Nick, isn't this going to create some kind of humorless, yeah, like stupid way of being? Okay. So right, in, which Christians in, aren't funny. Right. Right. So, so in Second Corinthians ten five it says this: We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We that demolish. Concept, we demolish, right? So yeah, that idea of a pretension, something that claims honor that yeah. isn't honorable. Yeah. We tear what, it down. What yeah. Paul's saying is we tear it down. And I think you can do that through humor and in yeah. some cases through sarcastic humor. So yeah. th- there are things that like the, the Babylon Bee will make fun of that have a pretension, like yeah. that Twitter is objective yeah. or something like that. And it's stupid. I mean, it's crazy, right? But people are like, treat it like it has some kind of deserved right. respect and honor. Right. And so then they use sarcasm and humor to tear it down, right? right. What I'm saying is that's perfectly biblical. Now it requires judgment because you have to make a judgment. Is this a truly honorable thing that I should be supporting and treating like it's honorable? Or is this a pretension that should be torn down? You have to make that decision of discernment before you know what the right thing to do is. I'm trying to think of uh, the, is there any movies that, that (laughs) exemplify this Uh, comedy movies that exempt like tearing down pretension? Yeah. That are actually, funny um i mean there was a one about north korea it was like the interview i think it was called or whatever but like i don't know if if that's like a yeah yeah i don't know i i I mean that's a that would be an interesting question i think for another podcast is like what what 
what humor, sarcastic humor, stuff like that, would I say is good. But I, I actually think the Babylon Bee yeah. has a lot of really good examples yeah, of stuff I, I do, do think is pretentious yeah. and is being torn down. I do think it is, it, it focuses on conservative politics yeah. or li- like attacking progressive politics yeah. and certain things within Christianity. Um, yeah. I, but I think, I think some of that stuff is funny. I think yeah. some of the John Chris jokes he's made about the church and stuff like that have been like on the nose and kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot. There's like, uh, there's a, there's a video channel called that's so cringe yeah. with some guys that are like very vulgar yeah. and I, I wouldn't support that, but like they made fun of a couple, like a couple like Christian girl videos Yeah, and they're, they're basically, they're pulling down the pretentiousness of it. Yeah. And I think some of the stuff that they says it, they say is good. Yeah. And then some of it is just pagan yeah. and vulgar. And yeah. like uh, walking through like with a 16 year old girl and be like, okay, yeah. all right, let's watch this video. What of this is them pulling down a pretension about what it means to be yeah. a, a Christian woman? Right. And what of this is these are secular vulgar guys that want to glorify like basically vulgar male sexuality, yeah. which yeah. is which like walking through right. that, I think would be a right. great exercise in discernment. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. There's also the guy named Ant or no, Nathan Finocchio. You probably don't know. Oh, I don't on, think I know that guy. No. On Instagram, him and his brother run like Christian, like one of the bigger Christian meme accounts or whatever. And he's, he's like, he used to work at Hillsong, New York, but then he like quit because oh, he gosh. found out how yeah. messed up it is. And so he basically, and he's a Christian still, but he like, he started this thing called Theosu, which is like the uh, online university thing, mm-hmm. and and he's just he makes fun of Christians, and it's really it's funny. I think he does a good yeah. job with it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there like there is a lot of that in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to, everybody wants to take themselves seriously, right? So everybody's jockeying yeah. for honor, and yeah. so people are always constantly making these pinnacles yeah. of honor yeah. around themselves and right. the culture, right. and a lot of those really need to be torn down, yeah. right? So right. there is a lot of tearing down honor right. that is quote vulgarity which is taking something that has been honored for the wrong reason and pulling it down to the common people and that i think is a noble action it's the destruction of a pretension yeah but you can only do that right if you know what is supposed to be honored yes and And you honor it and it can be a good way to show i guess non-believers that like us as christians are we have a stick up our butt but a little less than but not all the time yeah not all the time Okay, so I have some things that are like my pastoral charge to people. Yeah. Right? Um, one is quit the demonic thinking of the why can't I way of thinking ethically. Just stop saying, why can't I have sex before marriage? Why yeah. can't I use the language I want? Why can't I drink how much I want? Yeah. Well, it's because you were bought at a price. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus the Christ. Yeah. You were made to image him in godliness in his creation by taking dominion over creation, providing godly offspring for him. You were made in most cases to get married or to live in celibate single. So like, like you were made for something and you yeah. were redeemed for something. You are twice purchased by God. You are not your own. Yeah. So quit saying, why can't I? That is not the purpose of your existence. And right. if you think that way ethically, you'll justify everything. Yeah. Anything that you can make up an excuse for, you can say, why can't I do it? And then you'll do it. So quit thinking ethically that way. That is a demonic way to think because it rejects your telos, your real purpose, and it rejects the authority of God, that God has the authority to tell you what to do. Right. Like, don't let filthy language come out of your mouth. Right, okay. right, right, right. Uh, that's r- real quick. I think that that's important because I, I think that the general consensus coming out of this podcast, people are probably younger people are going to think this is all behavior modification. This is all. Like this is all legalistic obedience and stuff like that. And, and I think you should just, what you just said was good, but can you make a point as to why 
why the argument that behavior modification is for some reason people might think behavior modification in christianity is always bad all the time which yeah. i'm not saying for some reason because i don't know yeah, i do oftentimes know be, like you were saying about rituals yeah. and our embodiedness yeah oftentimes doing something with your body as a ritual precedes your heart change and helps At, you change your heart yeah because you don't understand your right. psychology and your psychology right. is partly embodied right. psychology right. right right this is why jesus said if your right arm causes you to sin cut it off Right. Like it's because it's embodied. It's all, it's a part of who you are now. It's like, mm-hmm. so, okay. So, but h- yeah. how can, how can you, what argument would you make to somebody that this is not just a bunch of behavior modification? Well, it okay. is a bunch of behavior The rest behavior of my pastoral charge is those things. It's, so okay, let's go ahead, go ahead. Those. The second is um, sin and vice, vices of evil speech tend to flock together and people, um, they are lumped together in the scriptures. So like, you can be like, look, Nick, I can say the F word or stuff like that and use a little bit of vulgarity and yeah. it's not going to, I'm not going to gossip about people. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to engage in detraction or slander. And the answer is no, no, you're not yeah. um, in, in scripture and in people's lives in my 25 years of being a pastor and observing them, these things go together. Yeah. If you will do one, you will do the others. Yeah. And so the idea that you can piecemeal your way through this is just false. So not saying the F word is you practicing as a person speaking graciously so that the next moment when you want to like say something negative about a person you shouldn't say, you've already been practicing your gracious speech and you're just going to be like, you know, I need to keep that in. Mm -hmm. Okay. The third thing is, is that there's extremely few situations in which vulgarity, vulgarity truly serves an important purpose. Okay. Very few. In most cases, vulgarity is a mental rut, which people use that makes them more articulate and more lazy. Yeah. So like what I would say to younger people in particular, but everybody really is strain to become more articulate, start using more and better words, start describing things more clearly because you'll become a better writer, a better thinker, a better speaker. Your words will be more gracious. You'll build people up better. People just, they use the same, like most people's vocabulary does not expand beyond 2000 words functionally and it makes them stupid. And vulgarity, because these words are catch-alls for all kinds of different adjectives, you just say the F word, or you just say the brown word, or you just say these cuss words, or you just refer to women as bitches, and you just say this crap, and you say it over and over and over and over, and your mind is actually becoming less supple, less creative, and it is getting more instantiated around this behavior, and you're becoming wicketer and dumber. Is the 2,000 words thing, is that a statistic, or is that... Just yeah, like a, an average intelligent person can easily have a vocabulary of 10,000 words or more. But the average American and Brit or English speaker right now speaks between two and 3,000 words and only understands about 5,000, which is very dumb. So the, the, and has that, has that decreased over? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why the new NIV translation of the Bible is so bad is because they didn't say, let's translate this into modern English. They looked at word usage common word usage that's stupid and then they only used words within the common word usage so like all these articulate english words that would like clarify what the bible really means and is the proper translation of lots of words they ruled those words out because those weren't within the two or three thousand words that most um, most english speakers actually use when they speak now most english speakers understand two or three thousand more words that they yeah. don't use right but the the new NIV didn't even use those words right it only used words that people commonly use and basically the only combat Which to this isn't very many words yeah the only combat to this is reading books right that's like the only comment you have to just read well, books and speaking more graciously yeah, just like yeah yeah don't use those cuss words use right. real adjectives well the problem was for me was i didn't know any other <laughs> words to substitute i had to like right. start reading oh, yeah. books to learn other words to substitute it with or i was well yeah once you realize how vulgarity and other speech patterns you're using yeah. like using the word like a lot are yeah. narrowing your speech yeah 
and making you stupid. Once you see that you're being stupid, yeah. then the hunger to be like, you know, I could read a book here. Or like, I mean, right. I need to think of more words. Or you'll, you'll, you'll pick up a lot of words just by listening to other people. Instead yeah. of being like, why is that person trying to talk over me? You'll be like, oh, thank you yeah. for words. Right. You know? Right. And, and if, if you don't like that, you're saying like all the time, make a podcast and listen to yourself over and over <laughs> and over again. Use that word in, in times where it shouldn't be used. And then, yeah. Fix it. Yeah. Okay. Nah, that was bad. So, hey, holy speech is a form of love. Okay. I, I think that, that like people need to realize that how we speak is a huge way we love people. It is an expression of manners. Manners are for putting people at ease and to treat them with honor. Okay. Right. The reason why you take somebody's coat or you serve them a drink or you let them eat first at a meal, anything manner, the purpose of manners is to put other people at ease, to make them know that they're important and to build the nature of social trust. Our speech is like that too. Mm -hmm. And so holy speech, speech, speaking graciously has a very profound effect on people's dignity. And we are not struggling right now in treating people with too much dignity. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the next is the vulgarity is a mental rut. We, oh, we, we got to do one. a podcast on dignity because I got in my, in my small group. We got into an argument on, on uh, where that comes from, where okay. dignity comes from. Okay. And, and it was, yeah, I think that embracing vulgarity confuses our inward sense of God's approval, right? As we tell our conscience to approve of things that it shouldn't approve of and doesn't approve of, like our like our bad sinful speech. Yeah, um, what we're doing is is that we're like we're actually twisting our conscience in that thing, yeah. and it begins to reappropriate our conscience in negative emotional and mental dynamics that are not true. And we do not want to give the devil a foothold in our conscience. And by approving something that God disapproves of, we are doing that. And so, yeah. the, so that's a problem. Okay. Yeah. Another thing is that um, speech is one of our greatest offerings of worship mm -hmm. and one of our most powerful dynamics with other people. So if we want to have a good life relative to other people, we want to be a gracious upbuilding person, okay. or if we really yeah. want to honor God. I mean, that's what James says about our tongue. He says, listen, that mouth that you honor yeah. God with is also the one you curse men with. Yeah. You can't have salt water and fresh water coming out yeah. of the same yeah. spring. Uh, yeah. Right. And so our, how we use our tongue is an opportunity to worship God and to honor and love people. I'm going to say we this, just uh, underutilize it. I'm going to say something that's going to piss people off. I have to do this once every podcast. I'm going to say something now that I think that what you just said, uh, I think it directly attacks modern contemporary worship music because it's lazy and it's repetitive and it's not usually biblical or theologically correct, and it's often and I think that it's a it's a it's, it's a gross honor it's or it's a gross offering to God. It's like a it's like a it's 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 to, to your argument about people only understanding like two thousand words or three thousand words. Right. It's and, like and that's why those worship leaders write songs like that. Yeah, is they because suck. it's because yeah. we have I have no capacity for poetry. Yeah, but like I, the answer isn't to to just continue to feed it. I think the answer is to make mm. better stuff. Like that's what I want Optif to do. Mm -hmm. But I, I, my. I, I, this is why I have a hard time singing these songs. I'm like, what does this mean to God? Like, what is he, he didn't, why would he care about us singing the same repetitive words that are mostly about us, not about him mm -hmm. over and over and over again. So to all the people out there who are listening to all this contemporary Christian, like quote unquote worship music, I don't like, I don't listen think to some other stuff too. Yeah. Like listen to some hymns or like mm -hmm. something and you can listen to a contemporary version of the hymns that have the new mm -hmm. version, the new music, background music, but. Uh, the new stuff yeah. we had to do podcasts on that because yeah, I, there's a lot of low emotivism 
yeah. it, rather than like high emotivism, yeah. which utilizes the heart and the mind well. Yes. And so, and so increases yeah. the amount of passion in right. the human soul. Yeah. And yeah, that's another topic, but that's a big deal. And vulgarity is pulling all that down. Yes. It's, it's degrading right. all of that yes. beauty. It's, and, it's a low, yes. it's a low thing. And what happens in the congregation <clears throat> as far as their interaction with the culture ultimately makes its way up in some ways to the, the leadership in the church because they if they stay at the high level of thinking or the high level right, people of worship, even go to other churches yeah people right. leave so you can't keep them there it's hard yeah it's it's, it's you see this even in schools yeah like yeah when a school says yeah. hey we're gonna keep our standards high yeah parents just pull their kids out they and pull, put them in yeah. other schools and so the so the, everything gets degraded in its quality and yeah. then we just get dumber and dumber and then you yeah. forget that people right. used to be smart right and then you think that this is how everybody this is, is. How society is right been. and then what happens is governments and psychologists yes. come and tell you that this is all human beings can do yep human yep. beings yep. can't lose weight yeah. they can't do what's right poor yeah. people can't be can't not yeah. commit crimes and then you say well the experts told me right and they right yeah. and then you have to believe those people yeah. so you're like well i guess poor people do all have to yeah, commit crimes because right. they do. And right. the answer is, well, well, yes, but in the living yeah. memory of 80 year olds, yeah. that wasn't true. People right. left their doors unlocked and people yeah. were much poorer than they are now. Yeah. And in San Francisco now it's like, you can actually, if anything, if you steal up to $500, you can have it for like, if you, if from there's no law, like there's no right, law. Because people can't not, be expected to behave otherwise. Yeah. And the answer is yes, they can. They always right. were. And it right. was always possible. Yeah. And, and like you, you, you'll actually buy into that. Like people right. literally like younger people. I think that's one of the reasons why progressivism is so strong among younger people yeah. is because younger people really don't think human beings are capable of living independent lives. They really don't think that we can not look at pornography and masturbate, that yeah. we can live in monogamous relationship with one person and be happy, that we can raise children basically with our by our yeah. own lights and conscience relative yeah. to our faith and that they'll turn out fine as productive citizens that and so on. Like all of those kinds of things that like people can actually get jobs and build incomes for themselves, even if their IQ isn't over 90, let's say they don't think that stuff. They truly don't think that stuff is possible because the hu human beings have been degraded so much. Yeah. We have yeah. become incapable. Yeah. Of things that are possible. Yeah. But we just can't do that. And this connects to language and speech because I think that, I think that the, the, the <clears throat> primary way in which people have been degraded is, is through, um, their, it's through what you were saying, either their attention span becoming less and less. And with that means they can only understand a few words and that degrades <laughs> right. people's ability to think. Cause I recognize right. the destruction of human attention yeah. is one of the worst things that's yeah. ever happened, which yeah. is, which is a, which is a product of, of the media. I mean, it, and, and, and well, I actually pe think people we're, were concerned about this in the 1500s with yeah. the printing press that now you weren't <laughs> going to have to memorize books, yeah. whole books. Yeah. And so now because we were going to take away yeah. human memorization, that was right. going to really harm the human mind. And that's been degraded all the way down to 30 second TikToks now. Yes. So it's like, we're, we're at probably the worst of the worst. I mean, it's going to, they're going to find a way it to make might it be able worse. to get worse. It's yeah. hard to imagine. It it's right hard now. to imagine. Mm -hmm. But I think that what I recognized after high school, when I started reading more books was I didn't realize that I actually had the ability to, to think I, I didn't, right. I like, I had no idea. Like in high school, I was just never, it was kind of like the, the, the general assumption was like, everybody's an idiot and like, or not, mm -hmm. no, well, we all think we're very right. and smart. And nobody's taught any logic. All, yeah, exactly. Not even logical fallacies. Right. You're not even have the most right. basic mistakes anymore. Yeah. And it, that used to be part of the trivium. Like before you could go to yeah. school. Like truly school, you had to have already gone through the trivium. Yeah. The second step of the trivium, the dialectic, is yeah. the study of formal logic so that you know when something is proved and not proved. Yeah, and man. you don't make basic logical mistakes. The problem is, is that that got just sucked out of human education. Yeah. And now people have no idea when something yeah. is proved or not proved. Yeah. And they don't think in those terms, yeah. which makes us incredibly dumb. And so um, vulgarity. Yeah. 
helps make us content in yeah. that stupidity. Yes, exactly. Because we say, well, anybody who won't say the F word, anybody who who doesn't cuss like this, anybody who talks in more than 3,000 words, anybody who has those kinds of pretensions, they're just being uppity. They're being stupid. They're right. being classist. They're right. being, right? And then you then They're you saying a bunch of nonsense people. with big words. Right. And, yeah. Right. And like, listen, sociologists and especially black leaders have been saying for a couple of generations now, this is destroying black kids. Yeah. That like the idea that like being smart, getting A's, reading books, it's not cool. Like, it's just yeah. not cool. Yeah. You're going to get pulled down. Right. Now, culture at large is reveling totally, in yeah. ignorance. Yeah. And when that happens, you get an idiocracy. Yeah. And, and when you, what I found is that when you actually understand where like more words, obviously you can, what I, I it, this is all sad that I have to say this, but it was interesting to me that I could actually articulate what I, what I thought on things. Where, I, where like I found so many times when I was in high school or growing up, I was like, I had an idea or something I wanted to say, but I couldn't get it out. I like, right. it was like, just, I didn't have the word bank. I just like, right. I was trying to find what words I could scramble together right. to because try to make sense of it. Because the third step in the trivium is rhetoric, learning how to talk. Yeah. So grammar, learning what words are, what they mean and basic things you should memorize so you know something. Yeah. Right. Yep. Then the dialectic, logic, yeah. learning what right. is true and false and how that structures. And then third rhetoric learning how to talk yeah that, that was basic human education yeah now we quote teach people how to think without teaching them how to think at all right because the teachers don't even know and right. then we get really angry at anybody who who claims to not be an idiot and makes straightforward arguments yeah. because they're not doing what's politically expedient right yes. so right. now what happens is we become idiots yep. now we look to people who are the quote right. strong man making arguments uh -huh. that please us and then yeah. anybody who gainsays that yeah. thing that pleases us right. we yell at yeah which is literally i mean if you think about this th that literally makes three things impossible yeah. it makes the family impossible yeah it makes the church impossible yeah and it makes the democratic state impossible yeah it, it literally makes human society impossible. And so we have to, as, and so as Christians, when you read the Bible, the Bible's like, look, you can't live this way. You mm -hmm. cannot live this way. Mm -hmm. You cannot be this stupid. Mm -hmm. You cannot be this wicked. You cannot be this vulgar. You cannot be this low. You cannot destroy everything that has any honorability. Some things are supposed to be honored and you're not supposed to defile them. Right. Once you realize that's the standard. Yeah. You're going to feel like you suck. Right. Because you do. Yeah. But it gives you something to aim for. You're like, right. okay, wait, that mountain peak is supposed to be there. Right. right My goal right. is not to tear that mountain peak down. It's to climb it. Yeah. And right. when I climb it, I will be able to right. look at these other paltry buildings mm -hmm. that people want to make look like mountains. And then I will know what I'm supposed to tear down yeah. and I will start tearing it down. Yeah. And that's when you become holy. Yeah. Right. And that has to happen. Okay. One last thing relative this to- This is real quick. This is why people should be listening. I, at least why I think- People should be listening to more long form podcasts if they're going to consume online media and books yes, and reading books. <clears throat> and if you're going to consume stuff, get off of TikTok and start listening to more long form. TikTok uh, is literally an algorithm created by the Chinese to destroy your humanity. Yeah. It's literally what it is. I'm going to cut that section out and you're going to, I'm going to put it out there and it's just going to sound like you're In Instagram theory. is an algorithm <laughs> we created for ourselves yeah, which to is destroy just, young women's lives. Right. And, and boy, with Instagram, and to make some money it, doing it. They, they found that TikTok was working. So they basically just created Instagram reels and copied right. the, because they saw it was a moneymaker. But yeah, yeah, people don't understand that human beings, our nervous systems are not designed for our senses to be enough. Yeah. For us to not destroy ourselves. Yeah. If you yeah. are a sensual person, you obey your senses. Yeah. You will overconsume all the stuff that does yeah. you the worst that pleases you and it will destroy you. And the government is not helping you. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, the government of America Mm -hmm. is basically supporting everything that destroys us because all of that can be monetized. There's nothing so easy to monetize as sensuality. Yeah. And nothing is predictable in terms of sales as sensuality. Yeah. And so selling us food that's killing us, selling us crap on our phones that's destroying our minds like using our sexuality to destroy us all of that stuff is extremely marketable and the collusion between government press and the market like is destroying us and the only way out that out of that is to join a moral society of people who have a completely different outlook in which you are striving towards not which is vulgar but that which is gracious and teleological purposeful yeah and and accepting accountability from yes. those people. Like, don't, don't just join the group just so you can bring your cancerous thoughts and ideas into it. Join the group so and you for can those, change. And for those thoughts to be respected. Yeah. You should expect to be excoriated yeah. by the people teaching you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the people, listen, the people who come to my church and presume to teach me on crap they have never thought about. And they don't even have the ability to recognize that I've thought about this and know more than them. Right. They think I just read a couple articles like they did. They transfer on yeah, me their own ignorance yeah. Yeah. is infuriating. Nick was on TikTok and just got a couple ideas and then <laughs> yeah. became a pastor. Yeah I, yeah, I read an article and now <laughs> yeah. I think I'm in the yeah. Atlantic. So, of course, I'm smart right, now. Right, right. Well, yeah, I don't even know if people are reading articles in my generation. Okay, so, okay, the last thing I'll say is this, is speech... Gracious speech is the golden habit of holiness. So a few years ago, Charles Dunig wrote a book called The Power of Habit. And basically he said is like habits are really hard to form, but they basically order our lives and make us successful or unsuccessful. You are successful or unsuccessful as a person on the basis of your habits. Yes. Right. Which are expressions of your virtues. Yes. Now he said, one of the questions to ask yourself is, are there any golden habits? Are there any habits that if you do these habits, you're very likely to do other good habits, which will make you likely to do other good habits and so on. And speech is the, it is above all other. That makes sense to me. And spiritually speaking, pursuing good speech is perhaps the greatest golden habit, like I said before, because it moves you inward to where your speech is coming from and it moves you outward in terms of what you're really doing and how it's affecting other people. Create and build. Yeah. And that's what James means. He says, listen, if you can tame your tongue, it's like taming a horse. Yeah. You can ride the whole horse wherever you want to go. Yeah. It's like, it's like the rudder on a ship. If you yeah. get, if you get something fixed so that you can control the rudder on the ship, you can control the, the galley, the sails, the cargo, yeah. everything. Yeah. But if you can't control the rudder on the ship, you have no control over the ship. Yeah. And that's true of your life. If you can control your mouth, you can control your body, your life, your holiness, everything. And yeah. if you can't, you control nothing. Yeah. And so you start with your mouth. Yeah. Jesus said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. And, um, James says, what you speak is what you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that this might be a good opportunity for us to just, because we haven't talked about this yet, but a lot of what we talked about today is there's a lot uh, of this that actually ties directly into what I'm trying to build in with Optive Network. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've talked about that on the podcast. So if we spend a couple minutes, just like what we're trying to build, because over the past like six, about a year ago, a year ago, so I'll give a, b- a bit of a story. A year ago, I was working at a media company in Minnesota. Uh, I, I hated it. It was terrible. And the the it was a conservative media company. And uh, are you just standing for the... Yeah, okay, see. yeah. Um, and, and it was a conservative media company. And basically, I just recognized some of the issues within within modern day media and how it's like in- antagonistic. It's there, Nobody's really focused on telling the truth. They're just generally focused on... Uh, pissing as many people off as clicks, they can lists, clicks things yeah, that are going to get clicks, yeah. yeah and so uh i i basically quit that that job and came home and and i started an llc called optive network so through uh, the minnesota 
whatever you got to do a bunch of like legal yeah. crap to do that and um and but, we were already doing this podcast we were doing this podcast for years but i was like i want to start i'm a fish i want to start a media company so i had scott kyle create some some branding and artwork and and basically as as the year progressed i had kind of developed an idea behind what i wanted optive network to be but i needed partners so nick uh, technically owns 10 percent of optive network yep i own 80 percent uh 85 right now and then scott kyle owns five percent we're potentially bring another guy on own own another couple percents mm -hmm. and um and the idea behind it my, my idea behind it while being on the the campaign trail in minnesota and working in the media company i just recognized a lot of these things that we're saying about speech how important these are to your to developing your ideas and developing a plan for your life and developing and understanding who you are and who God created you to be. Mm -hmm. This is important. And I felt like my whole life I was cheated out of, out of a, a word bank and vocabulary to understand anything around me or within me. Yeah. And I was frustrated by that. And I felt like a lot of it had to do with the, the deterioration of, of media from all probably the printing press all the way till now. It's like every step of the way media has been compacted shorter and shorter and shorter, but made people believe that they know more and more and more. And so yeah. we're in a, in a and so I'm, I'm in a position. So we, we we're building out optive network. Do you have things to say about, about all this? Yeah. You look but, like you're, you're doing fine. Uh, um, but basically, so I was like, we need to start a media company that's focused on converse, long form conversation, long form debate. And that's not just a Christian media company, but it's, we talk politics, philosophy, economics, mm -hmm. all these different things. And so yeah, we're working on building it out more with different shows. So like Annalise came on, she's obviously a Christian and her show has charted in the top 200 in religion and spirituality in like 50 countries. And it's one of the bigger ones in, in I guess, in the world. And we're trying to, and then we're going to start a political podcast this summer with with uh, a, a liberal, a more liberal, liberally minded per, uh, guy, mm -hmm. and then a conservative, um, myself, and then uh, we're going to basically continue to build out from there. And and so like the idea behind Optive Network is kind of like I don't I don't want it to be a right wing or a left wing thing. I want it to just be, I'll give anybody a show as long as they're yeah. We're to like the, part of the idea is because one of the things we talked about was do we want to be conservative. Or do we want to be honest, right. right? Like is what, what's the bigger goal? And so therefore, what do we think is the bigger hole in our culture? Yeah. And I think one of the things we said was, well, I mean, at one level, I think that conservatism is not being stated clearly, especially from a theological perspective, right. but yeah. what's even worse is people are not honestly engaging with each other. Like saying when your communist friend makes a good point saying that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not going to just pretend I've refuted yeah. it. I'm going to like maybe go away and think right. and read and then come back and right. may maybe I'll concede part of that point. Maybe yeah. I'll readjust it. Yeah. But like to create the real yeah. sort of dialogue yeah. where I'm taking other people's arguments seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also not just capitulating also. And I think that, I think that we believe that there is, there's space for this. And there right. are already people right. in this space. Like I think the Ricochet Podcast Network would be one of those right. things. I think Daily Wire in some ways is They've trying to monetize some, something yeah. in this. I think obviously Jordan Peterson's whole financial yes, empire is in this doing. space. Yeah. But I, this idea that like <clears throat> there are people that want to have serious conversations that don't just want to see cheap lunch, like yeah, yeah, school yeah. lunch points being where yeah, people shout right. down each other right. and stuff. And they realize that's hurting them. Right. It's hurting our society. It's hurting yeah, all of yeah, us. Yeah. We can't have a democracy. We can't have families. We right. can't have the church. We can't trust each other. Yeah. If we don't overcome this, this yeah. has to be overcome. Yeah. 
And that that is one of the great callings of our time in our particular society. Yeah. So the question, so what are we doing? So right now, basically on the back end, we're building out a subscription-based website, optinetwork.com. It's not up right now. If you go to that website, it's an old website. That's not ours. Well, it is ours, but it's not the one that we're going to be using. It's Um, not the launch website. Optive Network will, it will launch probably at some point within the next six months. Um, And basically we're also creating a documentary um, with, with Annalise and so when the website launches, it'll launch with this, this documentary and our goal will be to uh, basically it'll be a subscription base where you're going to have exclusive podcasts, exclusive documentaries, and then you'll have a bunch of exclusive written article and r- articles and written content, not daily yeah. news stuff, but conceptual, more conceptual, more like the mm-hmm. Atlantic or like the New Yorker or something yeah. like that. But so little of the news is going to be history. And yeah. is relevant for how we conceptualize our world. Yeah. And so we'll probably tap more into think tanks and yeah. longer term studies and things yes. that people are thinking through, yeah. not on a hour long news cycle, yes. but like right. in a way of really trying to find progress. Right, right, right. And and doing it at a level where the where people in the general population can understand it, but it's also, a, a, it's kind of a, cha- a challenge for them. Like, I don't want to just mm-hmm. use words and vocabulary that everybody's going to get. My goal is to... Our goal is to challenge people to think like think upwards, you know, think, yeah. think a little bit higher than what they thought yesterday. And over a long period of time, hopefully they'll we'll all get smarter and we'll all become more intelligent and not just intelligent, but we'll all be more t- t- tolerant of different ideas and, and willing to. Um, and I don't want to say tolerant in the in the bad way because some ideas are bad ideas, but like yeah. willing to not demonize human beings because they have ideas that you disagree with. Yeah, the the Christian word for this is irenic, right? Uh, okay. it, which is built on the Greek word for peace seeking. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm going to make my best argument. I'm not going to pull any punches. Yeah. But I am tr- seeking peace. I'm mm-hmm. trying to find common ground, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to find a basis for us to have a life together. Right. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to compromise, gonna compromise my, yeah. on right. the basis of the arguments right. that need to be made. Right. And you don't have to compromise. So we're building out a, a list of of contributors. And people to write on, you know, theology, philosophy, politics, economics, I'm sure some cultural stuff, art, uh, things like that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, even even some like some people who are going to write some like short story type stuff and fiction. Mm-hmm. St- and so that that'll be a cool. Um, and yeah, reestablishing reestablishing a basis for beauty yeah, that's is going to be incredibly the, important. And so we yeah. want to have a strong art component. So yes. Right. Um, so if you're, if you're yeah. talented in that stuff, so anyways, what I was going to say is, yeah, th- this is kind of what we're doing. And I think it's directly tied to this. Cause I think that the people's vocabulary and their speech and what they, mm-hmm. what words and books and things that they understand, um, the, the more you can articulate what you believe, I think the better your relationships are going to be and the better mm-hmm. we are going to be able to coexist as a society with a bunch of different ideas and cultures. And so mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do with Optive Network. And so if you want to, I don't know, if you want to be a part of that, let me know if you ha- if you're a good writer or if you. Even if you're like fringe and have weird ideas, like I got communist friends who I'm going to ask to write and socialist people. And so, and, and if you have money and you want to give us your money, yeah, we will accept That'd that. That'd be fine. Yeah. 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 But we're, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to try to be non-exclusive. One of the things that we don't like is how like book publishing right now is just a club yes. where yeah. one person Gosh. gets to write 15 books and, and all the publishers do is yeah. just try to get those people name recognition yeah. and yep. increase. Yep. And then they co-author with somebody, then that person, and then the other person like yeah. gives them a blurb and it's like, yeah. it's very incestuous, that yeah. whole system. Yeah. And what we want to do is like, if you can write a good article, we want to publish it. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, that kind right. of idea. Like, it shouldn't be about how many argument. followers you have. It right. should be about if you're able to write something because a lot of people have <laughs> a lot of followers 
who just are terrible are, at writing yes, and, and they don't know what they're talking about yeah, at all. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's the goal and I think it's connected to this podcast. So if you're interested in, in that or, or if you just want to know more about it, let me know and we mm-hmm. can talk more about it. Um is there anything else you want to say? No, I, no, no, if you like this, I do hope that you'll start carving out five dollars a month in your right. personal finances. Yeah, I know that be... a lot of people are doing this and a lot of people want your right. subscription dollars. Yeah. And but the beauty of freedom and liberty is right. us deciding what we're gonna put our money towards. And right. I, I, I like I think this is really cool because I think with like a Netflix or something like that, yeah, you're you're giving money towards like who knows what. It's all kinds of different things all at once. Right. With with the Substack and like podcast group being yeah. like this where it's like it's five dollars it's yeah. almost like what we used to do with newspapers yeah. where people really gave money to things that were producing content that they thought yeah. really was telling the truth right and i think the question you gotta ask yourself is um i should spend five to fifteen dollars a month supporting a group of people who are doing yeah. their best to tell the truth right. in a society where the truth doesn't really seem to matter. Yeah. And who is that? And if it's Barry Weiss's Substack, right. that's fine. Right. And if it's Optive, then great. But right. I, I feel like, especially for right. your believers, yeah. to, to get into your budget, maybe $15 a month, maybe yeah. three, $5 a month kind of like agreement yeah. things where you are supporting somebody yeah. who is telling in a really important truth yeah. and doing it very competently. Yeah. Um, I would say build that into your giving right now yeah. because if you don't fund the truth, yeah. it will disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it'll probably be around five. I think it's, it is $5 a month or six, $60 a year. And with that, isn't just going to be articles and podcasts. Literally, we're, we're trying to create very high end visual content as well. So that's yeah, Andy's going to do things. some swimsuit work. It's yeah. Gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyways, uh, also on Spotify now you can, you can like tell us if you scroll down, in this podcast, you can tell us what you want our next podcast to be. You, there's like mm-hmm. a thing you can write it in there now. It's like a new feature on Spotify. So do that. But make yeah. sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a review. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>